Hello and welcome to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 20. Today I will be talking about the murder of Vashti Seacat. My sources for today's episode are Dateline, episode Burning Suspicion, which aired on April 2nd, 2021, Oxygen.com, com, People, and YouTube. As always, my sources will be linked in today's show notes. As the first arriving officer got there, he indicated that his wife uh, was inside. I believe somehow it wasn't true. You just want a miracle to happen. He said he had driven her to commit suicide. But to set the house on fire with her own little boys inside? We're trying to assign rational thinking to someone that I believe was getting ready to take their own life. I remember grabbing somebody that was working the scene and he said, I will tell you this, justice will be served. He had informed us that she would put on one face for her family and the public and then she would be a different person at home. I had never heard anything about her being suicidal. And in hindsight, I'm sure he wishes he would have shared those things. I said, I don't care what you're being told. I don't care what you think you're seeing. You are dealing with a murder. She was not depressed. She was anything but. Well, did you murder her? No. Did you pull the trigger? No. Did you kill her? No. There's something about the investigation that stinks. Your head's spinning because you realize this is it. It was scary. Vashti Seacat lived in Kingman, Kansas, with her husband, Brett, and their two sons, Brendan and Bronson. Vashti, named after a queen from the Book of Esther from the Bible, worked in HR at Cox Communications in Wichita, and Brett was a former deputy sheriff who now worked at the Kansas Law Enforcement Training Center. Brett also came from a family of law enforcement. Vashti and Brett met in high school. They were on and off for a while, but finally married in 2004. Their firstborn son, Brendan, was born in 2006 and Bronson less than two years after. Everything seemed great in the Seacat household, but that was the furthest thing from the truth. On April 30th, 2011, around 3.51 a.m., Brett Seacat called the Kingman Police Department. He was frantic and said his house was on fire and that his wife had killed herself. Brett said he was able to get his kids out of the house, but that his wife was still inside. Brett would later say that he ran back inside, grabbed a washcloth to cover his face, and tried to grab Vashti. However, it was apparent that she was dead. When the first responders arrived, the roof had collapsed and there was damage to the back side of the home. When the police were able to put out the fire, they went inside and found Vashti. Her knees were up, she was laying on her back, and her elbows were bent. She was still laying underneath a blanket, and when she was moved, a gun was found underneath her on her left side. The fire wasn't what killed Vashti. She died from multiple gunshot wounds to her head and neck. Brett agreed to be interviewed, and he took his sons to the police station. The police were very suspicious of Brett from the very beginning. The KBI was called in, and they sat down with Brett for an interview. Did you murder her? No. Did you pull the trigger? No. Did you kill her? No. There's nothing good, and there hadn't to that she had something to do with this, Brett. There's no why. Oh no, there's there's no why. Okay. I didn't 
told the KBI that Vashti wanted to make everyone happy, but that she presented herself one way to the public and one way to him and the kids. Brett said Vashti was very depressed and was trying to lose weight and was taking HGC hormones. Brett seemed remorseful at first, even bringing up a time when they were watching a TV show that had a scene where someone killed themselves. Brett said Vashti asked him about the perfect gun to commit suicide and Brett worried that he gave her the advice to do it. Brett also told the investigators that he and Vashti were going through a divorce. He confessed that he told Vashti that if she went through with the divorce that she'd never see the kids again. The investigators said they barely asked Brett any questions, but he kept talking. They also took pictures of Brett while he was there and asked him about his story. They asked him why he didn't have any injuries to his body besides a small blister on his foot. He told them he wasn't wearing anything besides pants when he ran back inside the home. They also asked him how he was able to get the boys out, try to save Vashti, and was still on the phone with 911. Brett said he didn't know, but that he was on the phone the whole time. The more Brett talked, the more investigators believed Brett killed Vashti. Meanwhile, the police were going over the Seacat house again. They also searched Vashti's car, and in her purse, a list of expenses that Vashti had written out, which included expenses for funeral, mortgage, and car. They also found a journal in her driver's seat. Notes were written to Brett and the boys. In the note to Brett, it read, quote, I can't do this. Take care of our boys. Hold them and tell them mommy loves them, end quote. It seemed like maybe Brett was right that Vashti had killed herself. The police also found some unburned material that looked like a PowerPoint presentation. It had different kinds of deaths listed on it, like arson, murder, etc. Brett would later say that it was scrap paper that was in another room of the house. Brett's family would later accuse the KBI of planting that evidence there. However, Vashti's family said there was no way she would leave her kids. Her sister Kathleen said she was going to see a therapist, was losing weight, taking hormones, and that they were planning a ton of family trips. Brett's half-brother Bobby said in the weeks leading up to Vashti's death, he noticed that Vashti would sit by herself and would not interact with the kids as much. He said that he didn't think that Vashti was suicidal, but after seeing her behavior, it made sense. Kathleen and Rich, Vashti's siblings, were more and more suspicious of Brett as the days passed. They told Keith Morrison that Brett showed no emotion and was very matter-of-fact. They also said Brett called them on the night Vashti died and said she shot herself and then set the house on fire. Kathleen thought that made no sense. Kathleen also said that when Brett and Vashti were married, she was very isolated. She said that Brett saw her and the boys as his possessions. They said Vashti had become depressed in the fall of 2010, but that before her death, she was excited for the future. The divorce to Brett was not a spare-of-the-moment thing like he claimed. They tried to go see a counselor, and it just wasn't working anymore. Kathleen said that she filed for her divorce and went to stay with a friend until Brett moved out. On the night Vashti died, Brett still wasn't out of the home because he had nowhere to go, but Vashti decided to go back anyway. Kathleen said she begged her sister not to go, but Vashti felt bad for Brett. Kathleen said Vashti was just a caring person and didn't, see, didn't want to see anyone hurt. Twelve hours later, Vashti was dead. 
Vashti's death was ruled undetermined, but one shocking discovery was that Vashti didn't have any soot in her airways. The police said it was possible that she lit the house on fire, didn't breathe anything in, and then killed herself, but they just didn't believe it. The KBI interviewed Brett's co-workers at the KLETC, which is the Kansas Law Enforcement Training Center. They said that Brett had asked him how to destroy a hard drive, and they showed him how to torch it. Brett torched two hard drives and threw away several cell phones that he had torn apart. Besides him getting rid of these items, the Dateline episode didn't go into much further, but that it was a week before the murder, or suicide, however, you, whatever you want to believe. Brett's co-workers also said that Brett had his door locked at work, which is one unusual. Brett said that he was crying about the divorce. Brett said he didn't kill Vashti and wouldn't, quote, fuck his kids up, end quote. The police also interviewed several neighbors, and one neighbor said she was awake watching TV on the night of the murder. She told them that she heard gunshots before the fire trucks arrived and even remembered what show she was watching. The KBI now 100% believed that Vashti was killed and then the fire was started. Three days after Vashti's death, Brett was arrested for murder, arson, and endangerment. His bond was set at $1 million. Kathleen helped take care of the two boys and she said it was the hardest time because they kept asking for their mommy. The Seacat family was torn in half. Brett's family believed he was innocent, and Vashti's family believed Brett killed her. In May 2013, the trial began. Brett was entitled to ask to move his trial to another county, but he wanted to keep it in Kingman. The prosecution said that Brett planned the whole thing, and although their evidence was circumstantial, they believed Brett killed Vashti while she slept, all because she wanted a divorce. The couple's marriage counselor testified that Vashti told her she wouldn't commit suicide for two reasons, her kids and her faith. The prosecution said Vashti was planning her life after the divorce. She had written out a list of finances and the suicide notes were were, that were found were faked by Brett. A handwriting expert testified that it was, quote, trauma of fraud, end quote, which basically meant the handwriting was very shaky. Finally, they said that she didn't have any soot in her lungs and that her gunshot wounds proved someone was standing over her and there was no way she, there was no way she did it herself. Brett couldn't afford an attorney, so he had a court-appointed lawyer. His defense tried to attack Vashti's character. They said Vashti had an affair and had recently rekindled a relationship with a Cox vice president. Brett had given her an ultimatum, either stay in the marriage or he'd expose her. The same marriage counselor testified for the defense and said that Vashti did have depression symptoms, which started when her brother died years earlier from an accident. Brett's defense wanted Vashti's previous suicide attempts to be in evidence, but there was no proof of any previous attempts. The medical examiner testified that it was possible for Vashti to start the fire without getting any soot in her lungs. Brett Seacat was the defense's star witness. Even though they begged him not to testify, Brett said that on the night Vashti died, she kissed him, which he thought was odd, but that it gave him hope. He said Vashti was so up and down with the discussion of divorce. He did admit that he threatened to expose Vashti with personal pictures and information about her affairs, but that was only because he was upset. On cross-examination, the prosecution said, quote, you killed her, end quote, and Brett said no, he loved her and the boys. It was now time for the jury to go into deliberation, and they ended up deliberating for six hours. The jury find the defendant, Brett T. Seacat, guilty of murder in the first degree. Brett Seacat was found guilty on all counts. Brett's defense said he never got a fair trial. The KBI said that Brett thought he could get away with it. 
At his sentencing, Brett lashed out at the judge. He said one day he'd be freed, and the judge said he was living in an alternate reality. Brett was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 30 years. Here is a clip of Vashi's brother Rich speaking to Brett at his sentencing. Honorable Judge, the events of these past few years have been very detrimental to my family and loved ones. Since Vashti's life was taken, my family has not been able to focus nor enjoy life. Losing someone to natural causes is a very upsetting event. However, losing someone because of another person's selfishness is horrific. I can still remember the call I received when Brett took my sister's life. I will never forget it and I hope that no one has to go through such a tragedy. I've tried to keep myself busy in order to deal with the loss of my sister and loved one. I've had to take time away from my children and family to defend my sister and be her voice. I have many questions that will never be answered, most of which ultimately is why. Why did you have to take her life? Losing my sister at such a young age brings sadness not only to my sister and I, but to my children, extended family, and most of all, my nephews. Brendan and Bronson will never have the opportunity to know the love and radiance of their mother, Vashti. They will never have their own memories of their mother. Their memories will come from stories and photos passed down from those that loved her. Brett Seacat, I originally wanted to write a le this letter to you and point out what you have done wrong. Anyone that is capable of taking a human life, however, has no moral compass and is a monster in their own right. Your Honor, I would object to any comments being directed to the defendant. These are supposed to be comments to the court for the court's consideration. Um, I don't think that's an inappropriate comment at all. I'll allow him to continue. Thank you, Your Honor. However, to this end, I am writing in the, this in the hopes that the judge will impose the maximum sentence to make the world a safer place. You and your family have made wild and hurtful accusations against my sister, my family, and myself. Why? Is this to keep the focus off of yourself and your atrocious crimes? When you're writing a victim impact statement, it is hard to know where to begin in explaining all the pain that you have caused and explaining the anticipation of future events that we will never have our sister around for. Every Christmas, Every Easter, every holiday, and every birthday, we will not see our sister because of Brett Seacat. You are not only a murderer, but you are also a thief. This case is heartbreaking, especially because Vashti's sons were two and four years old. They lost their mom and their dad. Brett is an evil person who has never once showed any remorse over his wife's death. I believe he killed her because of the divorce, but maybe because he didn't want anyone else to have her. I believe he was controlling and maybe Vashti was finally seeing him for who he really was. I hope that he never gets parole and I have a feeling that Vashti's family will always be there to keep him locked up in prison forever. My book recommendation for this week is The Killer's Girl by Helen Pfeiffer. This book is actually part of a series, but as usual, I started in the middle of it. Summary. Mama, wake up. The little girl reads for her mother's face with one pudgy hand, but the eyes stayed closed and the blood continued to trickle across the floor. When the body of a young woman is found tied to her bed and the victim of a brutal attack in her own home, Detective Morgan Brooks is sickened by what she finds as she searches the house. 
and unprepared for the nightmares it inspires about her childhood. When the DNA collected gives a positive ID, Morgan can't wait to put the attacker behind bars, but the person it matches is already in prison. How could the DNA of someone who has been locked up for over 20 years have shown up in Morgan's crime scene? And then they make another close match to Morgan herself. Faced with the impossible proof that she is somehow connected to the case, Morgan delves deep into the crimes of a killer who stalked the Lake District two decades ago. But distracted by the old case, she misses the signs that she has found a new victim. And when he strikes close to home, Morgan finally realizes that she has been living on borrowed time. To find this killer, it's clear she must confront the nightmares in her past. So this book is a little different from the other books I, that I've read. I usually read psychological thrillers, but and I actually prefer that genre over books about a serial killer. But I actually really like this book. This book is heartbreaking, especially because a child found their mom this way. Any crime that involves a child, like the case I picked today, breaks my heart. I also really like this book focused on a detective and her background. I enjoyed learning about the characters with very intense backstories that made them who they are. I really enjoyed this book, and I would like to read the the rest of the books in the series. I give it an 8 out of 10. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As usual, I'll be back next week with a brand new case and new book recommendation. Please subscribe, follow me on Instagram, email, DM, rate, and review. Anything helps. And as always, thank you so much for your support. And remember, it's Crime O'Clock somewhere.